Nation, welcome again aboard the BYU Hype Train. Uh, I am your host, Joe Wheat. That's at Joe Wheat 27 on Twitter. Joined by, joined by uh, my boy Trevor Levitt, uh, fresh off playing nine holes with me earlier tonight. Uh, I think he beat me, but uh, that's that's the conversation for another time, uh, as well as Hunter Miller. Uh, we're one short today. We, we're missing Jason. Jason's uh, taking care of some family stuff today. But uh, brethren, how are we doing? What did you shoot at golf? What was your score? I uh, shot a 45, but it was the ugliest 45. Oh, I got you. Yeah, I, I shot a four. <laughs> I shot go. a 44, which uh, wasn't a wasn't oh. a very pretty 44 either. But that, uh, uh, yeah, golf is uh, golf is a brutal sport because you hit one good shot on the final hole, and all of a sudden you're back you for go. more tomorrow. <laughs> what courses do you frequent? Uh, I'm, I'm, my favorite is, uh, Sleepy Ridge, um, in Soldier Hollow. Just, they're, they're nice. Cause they're just wide open courses, no trees. It just fits my game perfectly. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I actually tried to get us a Sleepy Ridge, uh, tea time, but everything was taken except for East Bay or I guess Tipidogus now. It's where we play a lot. It's a difficult course, but I enjoy it. It's a good time. Yeah. So, uh, big golfer, big, big golfers aboard the hype train, uh, if any of you guys uh, want to go play around with us, just uh, shoot us a DM. But uh, yeah, uh, it's it's another game week, boys. We're uh, we're cruising. BYU's four and zero. Man, what a what a fun time to be a, a Cougar fan. We got a loaded show today. Lots to talk about. Um, we got recruiting news. We got uh, preview news for Utah State. We got personnel news. Um, lot lot going on. Um, but but before we get started with all of that, uh, we wanted to kind of. Uh, talk about our, our BYU fanhood for, for a little bit. Uh, obviously, we are, uh, all three of us are just rabid, rabid BYU fans. Um, and we kind of wanted to talk about why that is. So um, we're, we're going to give you guys the, the list of five BYU, five of the most influential BYU football players uh, to our fanhood. Um, feel free to, uh, as you guys listen to the show, feel free to We'll, we'll tweet out and ask you guys to provide yours as well because we want to hear from you. But uh, Trevor, let's start with you. Who are the, the most uh, influential BYU football players to your fanhood? Yeah, so I actually did this um, in numerical order. So I'll start I'll start with number five and then move down. Uh, number five, I have to give credit to Zach Wilson. Um, he and uh, number three on this list have a lot in common in the fact that for me as a fan, I just feel like they – uh, Zach especially really just revitalized this program uh, coming off of a couple of rough years uh, Kalani's first couple of seasons um, obviously the four and nine season then we went seven and six seven and six back to back but uh, Zach stayed with this team and, and helped us go uh, 11 and one and, and really put BYU on the map and I think really provided um, he wasn't the only one of course but he helped provide the springboard uh, that we're starting to see BYU leap from uh, as far as recruiting and, and everything goes. And so I have to put him there uh, really made me as a, as a fan really begin to become uh, even more uh, intoxicated with, with BYU football. So, uh, and then turned it from a passion to an addiction. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, Then number, number four, uh, Harvey Unga, uh, one of my, favorite running backs ever. Um, just a, a guy that knew how to uh, hit the gaps in the offensive line uh, quick, but, but also just, he just punished people. Uh, I think one of his biggest, uh, one of the biggest things I remember him for was in that 
uh, game where we converted on fourth and 18 and then he ran over that Utah safety to score the go ahead touchdown. Uh, always loved him. Uh, number three. Before you move on from Harvey Younga, side uh, sidebar here, how good would that be? Because his last year with BYU was what, 2008? Yes. And then he got, he unfortunately got kicked out and did the NFL supplemental draft and everything like that. But I mean, that 2009 BYU team upset Oklahoma. They were 11 and two. I mean, if he's able to play in 2009, how good do you think that 2009 team is? Oh man. Like who was the, really who was the leading rusher that year? Brian Correa? Was he the, <laughs> was that, that was the Korea and JJ D Luigi years, right? <laughs> which, which they did an awesome job. Like I remember Korea running all over the place, but man, Harvey Unga was just a battering ram. Like that, that, that 2009 team was amazing. But uh, no, I, I mean, I, I don't know if he's necessarily the difference against Florida State, uh, but because uh, yeah. no, BYU's he, two he was, losses that year were to TC number ten TCU, that was a two top twenty team matchup. BYU was sixteenth, TCU they were at home. That was the college game day game, right? Mm-hmm. And they lost that one thirty eight to seven. So I don't know if necessarily one running back makes up the difference there. Uh, then they were uh, ranked number seven in the country and playing Florida State. Uh, and they lost at home again, 54 to 28. So, so I mean, rough. you're probably right. He probably doesn't make up the difference in those two games. Like, those are pretty significant uh, uh, margins of victory for those op- opposing teams. But, man, like, the, the fact been... that you could, that BYU 2009 was so good and they were missing possibly you know their best player on the roster pretty incredible yeah he's he's got to be top five uh he's probably top five running back in BYU history um, probably oh yeah from from you know from my own personal opinion and you know he's done an awesome job with the running backs currently uh dude turned I mean Tyler Algier was a running back in high school but he turned a you know he turned linebacker Tyler Algier into a thousand yard rusher last year and you know Tyler's legit like a top 15 running back in the country right now so um I mean, and, and the job he's done with Lapini, and uh, I mean, we haven't seen him yet, but like Hinkley Rapati and Jackson McChesney, like those dudes are ballers too. Uh, and and Miles Davis, we saw flashes of him last year. Yeah. Like Harvey Young has done a great job, but uh, no, keep keep going with your list, Chad. Yeah, no, he was he was huge. Uh, I, I'm having PTSD of Christian Ponder running all over us now for Florida State. So, so of thanks, all the guys. Didn't, didn't mean to bring that. <laughs> and Andy Dalton was was Andy Dalton that TCU quarterback that year? Yes, he was. Yes. So at least their two losses were to NFL quarterbacks. If you can call <laughs> Christian Ponder an NFL quarterback, <laughs> yeah. he tried. They tried in Minnesota. I don't. I don't think it worked. But um, so number three, I have John Beck. Uh, he did. He's done so much. You want to talk about coaching with with Harvey Unga? Uh, he he made Zach Wilson into the machine that he was, and he's well on his way to, to helping Jaron and, and really any other BYU quarterback uh, that's interested in, in making that ten hour both way drive that we've been so familiar with now. Um, but on top of that, just. You know, you, you talk about that that TCU loss um, the year before with John Beck um, and those guys being able to, to beat a TCU, to be able to beat Utah, to, to go into the Las Vegas Bowl and beat Oregon. Um, he just, that was the time in my life where football was becoming uh, not only something that I love cheering for, but I love to play. And, and he just made football fun. I uh, loved watching him. 
Um, and then number two is actually, uh, I think Joe will probably uh, credit this as well, but number two is the reason I wanted to play the position that I played, which was wide receiver. And that is one Austin Colley, who was just the swag master. I remember he came out one game. He had like the kicker uh, face. Oh my mask, gosh. Yes. And then he had the extended visor and like, it looked like straight, straight up. We had like master chief out there in his like robot helmet. And I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. And there was no one else on that team like Austin Colley that could pull that look off. And he just, he was so good. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. No, I, I remember that. I remember him trotting out against uh I remember him trotting out against Utah State uh in 2008. He had that uh it was just like a dig to the outside, uh burned you know uh it was like literally just a comeback route, burns the corner, gets around, stiff arms a guy, goes into the end zone, and then just kind of like dumps the ball off super casually. And I look at him like, is he wearing a kicker's face mask? <laughs> yeah. but, Definitely uh, the swaggiest player on BYU. Oh, oh my gosh! Those years. Well, and then they they lined him up at quarterback a couple of times to run wildcat, and the man just made plays. Uh, had a couple of big catches, obviously. A couple went for touchdowns against uh, Washington that year. Um, just yeah, uh, Austin Colley is the reason I became a wide receiver. Um, and I wish his his uh, tenure, I guess, in the NFL wouldn't have been cut short by so many concussions um if he was just a little less willing to run whatever route peyton manning told him to run <laughs> yeah. regardless if it was across the middle on ray lewis or not Dude, yeah he just he was on his way he, he was playing so well he had a couple catches in the super bowl and just wish we could have seen that um played out but my number one and this one might need a little bit of an explanation but robbie bosco was not alive for him obviously but Growing up, my parents had this VHS. It was like Lavelle Edwards' like greatest moments. And I watched that thing like 500 times. And the thing that always stood out to me was Robbie Bosco hurting, getting hurt in the game against Michigan to decide the national championship. And he comes out. He throws the game-winning touchdown. He's like going to celebrate, and he's like limping down the field. And just thought that was like the coolest thing ever. And he's the one that really inspired me to become uh, as passionate of a BYU fan as I am. So... That wraps up my top five. Solid list. I think there's probably going to be a lot of crossovers on on our on everyone else's list, but am I up? Yeah, let's go for it, Hunter. Okay. Uh, so I'll start backwards and work forwards uh, like Trevor did. So number five, I'm going to go with Riley Nelson just because, you know, it wasn't necessarily the most successful BYU era of football, but uh, he was the quarterback of my high school years and, you know, the BYU quarterback is always going to get the attention and be kind of the one in the limelight. But uh, so I'm going to go with Riley Nelson just because he's he kind of ushered in that independence era. He, uh, he was the quarterback of my high school days. So Riley. Riley Nelson, number five. Just just uh, a gritty dude, man. Hold on. I, just a gritty dude. No, I think he played. He played. A, what was it? 2012 played the whole season with a broken back. Uh, yeah. well, like jacked up ribs, everything. Like dude was dude was literally Samson. Comes like he's a he's a <laughs> BYU legend for no other reason besides of you know a lot of Utah State crossover here. But uh yeah. wonder why. But uh no that that game where he comes in for for Jake Heaps and then just leads BYU on this furious comeback uh that was just like magic. Yeah. Uh my one yeah. of my last 
one of my lasting memories was like, you know, he takes off his hair and he looks like Prince Charming, just kind of waving it around. <laughs> but I, I watched that game with a, with a youth, like a diehard Utah State fan. And he literally just stormed out of the friend's house, slammed the gate behind him. Like he was hicked. But my gosh, that was a fun game for us. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about storming. And, you know, this goes well with the rivalry talk this week of whether it's a rivalry game or not. BYU storming the field that game was probably a low moment for uh, BYU fans <laughs> oh when we stormed gosh. the field against Utah State. But we'll we'll get to that. I that might be my hot <laughs> take tonight. Uh, number four, I'm gonna go with Brandon Doman. Uh, I never really was old enough to watch him in person, but he's kind of you know the the fact that he was such a mobile quarterback and was able to uh, run that offense with um, Luke Staley, and you know it was just a such a fun 2000 2001 team and. Uh, I mentioned, I think, was it a couple of weeks ago or the first episode of our podcast? I mentioned the Furious Monkey uh, BYU highlight videos. I'm not sure if you guys grew up watching yeah, yeah. those like I did. Oh, for sure. But like the BYU Utah ones, like 2000, 2001, like those were, you know, some of the best ones. And so I just remember watching those Furious Monkey highlights and always wanting to watch the Brandon Doman ones uh, just because I loved a quarterback who could run uh, and just his style of play was so much fun. So number three, I'm going to go with Fui Vakapuna, uh, East High alum like myself. So I always have to represent the East High guys. <laughs> and I can still remember moving to Utah and playing Little League football for, you know, East East Little League football and bringing my jersey to a BYU, uh, like a BYU basketball game. And the football team was signing autographs before the game. And I had Fui sign my East High uh, Little League football jersey. So Fui Vakapuna is number three. Just an awesome guy, super nice, super humble, uh, but just was a beast on the football field. Wasn't afraid to run anybody over. So he was awesome. Uh, number two, Austin Colley, for the same reasons uh, that Trevor went over again. I think if he doesn't have those concussions uh, throughout his NFL career and the fact that he was able to play with Peyton Manning and then with Tom Brady for a little bit with the New England Patriots, people forget uh, after he was with the Colts, he went on to the Patriots for, I think, half a season. I don't know, a full season. One of only, I think, five players to have ever caught a touchdown pass from both Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. A fun fact. So that is a stat. That is a stat. I'm not. Don't quote me on the five. I think that's about right. Um, but he he's one of a, a small handful to catch a touchdown from both Brady and Peyton Manning. So wow. I think if he didn't have concussions, he probably goes down behind, maybe just behind Steve Young is like the second greatest. Uh, Cougar in the NFL of all time. So, and then number one, I'm going to go with John Beck, just the first BYU teams I really watched and, you know, could understand and remembered was that 2006 BYU football team quarterbacked by John Beck and uh, what he was able to do and kind of usher in the modern era of BYU football uh, post Lavelle Edwards was, was pretty, pretty fun to watch. So John Beck, that 2006 team is still my all time favorite BYU football team. Uh, so John Beck's got to be number one on my list. Joe, for sure. Your top five. My top five. Also, shout out Brandon Doman, my stake president. Love you, man. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, shout out to shout out to Tell church one up. Sunday. No, shout out to church one Sunday. You guys have probably seen my BYU bolo ties. My grandpa's oh, yeah. uh, wear it wear it uh, after every BYU win. It's great. Um, but first time I ever wore it, I show up to church and uh, I look up at the stand and I'm like. Is that Brandon Doman? Yeah, it turns out he got called to be my stake president and shook his hand in a, in a awesome. BYU bolo tie. So <laughs> great first there impressions. Um, yeah, my, my top five. There's going to be a trend here. Uh, number five is Todd Watkins. 
Um, I like Solid. I grew up I grew up always wanting to to be a wide receiver. My dream was to play uh, wide receiver at BYU. Um, unfortunately, I ran a uh, four nine um, instead of a four <laughs> four. So that dream was uh, was a pipe dream. But uh, no, Todd Watkins was my my first introduction to what a what a what a uh, elite wide receiver looks like. I still have you know visions of like one of the first BYU games I ever watched was uh, was against USC. Um, in 2004 uh, at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I just remember, like, I have this image imprinted in my mind of Tom Watkins, like, burning a USC defender, scoring a touchdown, and then just, like, leaping, looking like he's dunking on the goalpost. Like, uh, just all-time favorite uh, wide receiver. Possibly one of the most underrated BYU players, just because no, of sure. who he was playing with. I mean, his quarterbacks were, like, Matt Barry and then a freshman, John Beck. Like, no, I, Trevor and I were talking about that today. He's probably the most underrated BYU receiver in history. It's wild. Like, it's wild He's, you say that, Hunter, because that's exactly what Joe yeah. said. That is exactly right. what Joe If he would have been two years earlier playing with Brandon Doman and Luke Staley and Reno Mahe and those guys, or two oh years gosh. later playing with John Beck and Curtis Brown and Johnny Harleen and those guys, like he would have been lights out. Like he just came at like the wrong two years of BYU yeah. football in like 04 and 05. He was the transition. He was the transition for yeah. us. Keep us entertained. Uh, but love you, Todd. Uh, your memory lives on in me. Uh, number four, Cody Hoffman. Um, I remember when Cody Hoffman got his offer, it was between us and Sacramento State. Um, and for no reason whatsoever, I just looked at his highlights and I thought, this guy is going to be one of the greatest to ever play wide receiver at BYU. And that's exactly what he exactly what he was. I think he what all-time leading receiver in BYU history. Yeah. Um, he he was the he was the go-to guy um when I was, you know, playing in high school. And that's you who I really wanted to be was Cody Hoffman. Uh, made some of the most ridiculous circus catches I've ever seen uh, at BYU. Just ridiculous catch and traffic uh, percentage on NCAA Also one of the 14. last guys to have a kick return for a touchdown. Yeah. The yeah, UCF game, right? Yeah, yeah, UCF. I think it was 2011 or 12, one of the two. Um, number three is Max Hall. Um, my my BYU fanhood really got started in 2007. Um, I was like, I, I kind of caught – we didn't have like the mountain or anything like that when I was growing up. Who did? Um, and my, 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 yeah, no one. Uh, same people <laughs> got the Pac-12 network right now. But uh, no, I, um, so I didn't really get to watch a ton of BYU football, especially because my parents uh, banned that in the house. Um, but, uh, so, you know, I caught the, kind of the tail end of 2006 um, and just, you know, fell in love with that team after that 38 to eight win over Oregon. Um, and just remember, you know, watching first game next year against Arizona and then Max Hall just coming in and just uh, lighting a fire. Um, he's the, you know, all-time winningest quarterback in BYU history, all-time uh, most games started, uh, you know, just the Ironman of BYU football uh, went three years without missing a, missing a start. Yeah, what was um, like that? I saw it on Twitter like a few days ago. That was like Max Hall played every game from 2007 to 2009. And 39, since, 39 and, starts. And since then, we've only had one quarterback start every game in a season, and that was Zach Wilson last year. The real Max Hall curse. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I, quarterback Max, uh, Max was awesome. Like so many great memories from 59 nothing against UCLA to the win over Oklahoma to, uh, you know, uh, Collie fourth and 18. Fourth, yeah, fourth and 18. Andrew George is still running. So many great iconic moments that Hall was at the center of. Uh, number two is Curtis Brown. Uh, he was like – Underrated. He, yeah, he was – I mean, he was amazing. Like, so good out of the backfield, so great uh, rushing. Um, but off the field was kind of big for me. Like, I, I grew up watching Tradition, Spirit, and Honor. 
uh, like probably a lot of you did. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, one of the reasons I'm a BYU fan is that my faith is so intertwined in it. Um, and Curtis Brown was kind of like the epitome of what like BYU could do in sports. Like it was a non-member, came in, um, ended up joining the church while, while at BYU. Um, and it was just like, you know, he was great on the field and off the field. So he was always a favorite for me. Um, and then number one, a lot like Trevor, Austin Colley. Uh, he was the reason I wanted to play wide receiver. Just loved watching him. Um, just, just torch dudes. Um, so many one-handed catches. Like one of my, one of the iconic plays for me, for him was, uh, against Colorado state running down the sideline, Colorado state guy draped on his uh, left arm. Colley hauls it in with his right arm, stiff arms, the guy to the ground, runs it in for an easy touchdown. Um, but no, Austin Collie was, uh, you know, all-time BYU. In my opinion, he's the greatest receiver in BYU history. Um, had the potential oh, yeah. to be, um, you know, one of the best NFL receivers uh, BYU has ever had as well. But uh, speaking of, uh, you know, top wide receiver talent, brethren, we, got go. we have an eyeball emoji sighting <laughs> the last couple nights. Um, uh, you, you know, unless you've been living under a rock, maybe you haven't. Maybe this is the first you're hearing of it. Uh, BYU signed four-star wide receiver Cody Hagan um, out of Corner Canyon High School. Uh, his top five, like listen to this top five that, that BYU beat out. Uh, USC, Utah, Michigan, um, and who was was it? Oregon. Was the fifth? Oregon was that was that the fifth? Yeah, I'm not BYU sure. If that, does, I know he had an Oregon offer. I don't know if that was in his top five or not, but. Uh, yeah, no, BYU typically doesn't win those recruiting battles, but, uh, yeah. When has BYU ever beaten out USC, Michigan and Oregon for a wide receiver? Uh, probably never. <laughs> like maybe a defensive I, I lineman think... from like Glendale, <laughs> Utah. No, I like, think like never... maybe, yeah, no, like maybe Cody Epps, but like, like Cody Epps had an Oregon offer, but I'm not sure how, like, they, well, he yeah, wasn't like, a Cody Hagan. Um, four star wide receiver. Com co committing to BYU like that's uh, pretty unheard of no dude dude's ridiculous dude has uh I think it's like he's got like a hundred I think it's 110 catches thereabouts and 36 touchdowns I mean dude like every time he touches the ball it's a big play and it goes for and it goes for six so super excited about what he brings to the table oh uh Stanford was the was the fifth um Stanford go. was probably the favorite um, but from, from my understanding, um, this is kind of how it went. So Stanford was kind of the front runner for a long time. Um, and then he, then Cody came to the, the Utah game, uh, loved it, loved the atmosphere, decided to come back for the ASU game and just kind of fell in love with the culture. Um, but like, I think that's kind of going to be the case with a lot of things where, uh, you know, BYU had all kinds of foreign, you know, four-star recruits. Uh, lining the field uh, at those ASU and Utah games um, that, that, you know, we're able to be there for those awesome atmospheres. And I think, I think we're going to look back and realize that that those two games have done more for BYU recruiting than any game in the last 10 years. Um, you know, cause you had, you have guys like Spencer Fano, who's going to be a five-star offensive lineman um, at a tip view that, uh, you know, according to the crystal ball ratings on 24 seven, uh, is, you know, he's kind of leaning BYU now because he went to those games and it, it was, you know, fantastic atmosphere. And it, it shows what BYU can be. Um, Snoop Amama is a, you know, three-star offensive lineman who uh, just, who kind of tweeted out today after the, after the commitment, who's just like, man, like 
BYU building something like something like something's going on at, over over at BYU. So I, there's a, no, there, there's a ton of momentum in recruiting, um, and and I love to see it. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on uh, BYU landing Cody Hagen? Um, I just really just one phrase, and it's big play potential. Which you look at his stats, and they just scream big plays uh this year alone he's only they've played seven games i'm assuming with the amount of talent that they have corner canyon is going to play another six games or however many it takes to get to the state championship but he's had eight touchdowns already he's had the longest of which was 97 yards uh he had a long of 93 last year and a long of 84 his sophomore year so the man the man's explosive um He's he's on pace. His junior year, he had 1,200 receiving yards, and uh, he's on pace to to absolutely annihilate that this year. Um, just makes a ton of plays. Uh, Jeff Hansen mentioned that he runs a 10-5-1, and I, I don't know if anyone remembers Jonah Trineman, uh, but that guy was a burner at BYU, and his fastest 100-meter time was a 10-6-8. Uh, so this is a kid that is coming in uh, that I think possesses probably better hands uh, and is faster. None of this is obviously to knock Jonah just to give a <laughs> just give a comparison. Um, but but this kid just makes plays. And I I mean, he's averaging like 20 yards a carry. Uh, big play potential all around for Cody Hagan. Put that into perspective for us, Trevor. I mean, you, you're obviously a track athlete. How does that time compare to guys who are running track at the college level? Yeah, so it's a ten five one right now. If you look at the collegiate uh, level, it won't get you to nationals, uh, but you are flirting with a regional qualifying time, which is very hard to do. And this kid's doing it in high school. That's um, a seventeen year old. Yeah, and so he's. And, and I would assume as well, I mean, I would have to talk to him, but I would assume as well that he's not putting in as much time in track as he is with football. Oh, yeah, uh, I'm and, sure he's just walking out there and running. <laughs> right. And so he, I mean, he might be able to go faster. I mean, uh, I might have to call Kyle Grossar, the sprints coach, and, and see if he can get him out there in, in the spring. But uh, he's he's a burner. Yeah, he's got he's got wheels. That's He's quick. Yeah, I mean, you talk about his stats from his junior year, and obviously Corner Canyon's been near unstoppable here in high school football in Utah. And a lot of the shine at Corner Canyon is going to be given to the quarterbacks, right, and deservedly so. You're going to talk about, you know, a Jackson Dart. You're going to talk about the kid that they have right now that I think is committed to USC. You're going to talk about Isaac Wilson, uh, who's another, you know, phenomenal recruit, has an Oregon and a BYU offer, and he's not even starting varsity right now. Like, that's how deep (laughs) – the quarterbacks go at corner Canyon, obviously Zach Wilson from there. Uh, so they're going to get a lot of the shine in, when it comes to, you know, talking about why corner Canyon is so good, but don't get twisted. I mean, these quarterbacks are throwing to a guy like Cody Hagan, and that makes your job as a quarterback a lot easier when you have a guy on the outside who can just burn everyone and go for six every time. And so, uh, you know, looking at some of the recruiting rankings and, and you know, I talked about how unprecedented this is for BYU to get receivers that are this good, especially guys that are this good and from Utah, right? Normally, you know, BYU will get wide receivers from Utah. They'll get Chase, uh, Chase Roberts, guys like that. Um, but those aren't four-star guys, right? If a four-star wide receiver comes out of the state of Utah, more likely than not, they're headed elsewhere. They're headed to USC. They're headed to Oregon. They're headed to some big-time school. 
Cody Higgins, the second highest ranked wide receiver in terms of star ratings and, you know, the 24 seven composite ratings that BYU's ever gotten behind just Ross Oppo. Like that's how good this kid is. BYU's only ever gotten one four-star wide receiver ever before. And that was Ross Oppo. And we all know how big of a deal it was when Ross decommitted from Texas and came to BYU to play with Jake Heap. So that's how big of a get this is for BYU. You're getting guys, the quality of Ross Oppo uh, and guys that are, you know, in-state talent, guys who are developed here and they're not looking to go to USC or they're not going to Oregon like they have in the last, in the last decade plus they're starting to look at BYU. They're starting to come to BYU, right? You're talking about Raider and even just going back the last couple of years, not just with Cody, but, you know, Logan Fano and uh, Raider DeMooney and the guys that BYU has been able to get to come to BYU. And they're coming to BYU over schools like Oregon, over schools like Oklahoma, USC. Like this is big, big time for BYU. And you can see the recruiting landscape shifting just in the last 12 months. Part of that is due to BYU's recent success. Part of that's due to the NIL laws, right? I mean, what athlete doesn't want to come to BYU and get paid by Built Bar and uh, have all these sponsorship deals? What, what athlete doesn't want to come to BYU and help usher BYU into the new Big 12 era? So I think, uh, you know, we've seen just in the last, you know, not even a full year yet, the recruiting landscape changed dramatically for BYU. For sure. I like the the mo the recruiting momentum that BYU has is incredible. Like there there's a there's a buzz around uh, recruits talking about BYU. You got um, you know like obviously you got Cody Hagan, um, one that uh, you know another big name that um, has kind of been making some buzz the last couple of days is uh, Isaiah Moa, uh, yeah. four star four star D lineman, uh, decommitted from Utah um, and is kind of back on the board. Um, Mutually. Yeah, yeah. Utah, Utah has never has. lost. Utah has never lost a recruit that they wanted. If yeah. if someone decommits to Utah, it's because the offer was pulled. Yeah, you know, uh, Utah said to this top recruit, "Yeah, we're good." Yeah, right? like no, I know I, we've recruited you and you've committed and you're you know highly ranked recruit, but never mind. No, but uh, no, dude, dude is a legit four star guy. Um, BYU is is certainly in the mix for for him as well. Um, Shoot. Uh, sorry about that. Um, no, BYU is definitely in the mix for him as well. Um, he's got offers to, to Oregon State is the, is the other big offer besides BYU that he's looking at. But um, those will definitely be pouring in here pretty soon. Oregon is, is pretty close to offering him as well. But, um, you know, I told, uh, he told 24-7 today that uh, he's been talking to the BYU coaches a lot. Um, I've, I've heard it from, you know, sources that, uh, that his, his, his dad reached out to Kalani before uh, – a couple of days before he decommitted to let him know that, you know, his son was going to be on the market again. So like that, that's a legit, uh, that's a legit target. Another four-star guy that BYU can get. Um, and if you, if you were at a couple MOA with Logan Fano, John Henry Daly and Raider DeMooney from last year's recruiting class, like this, the future defense can, could be filthy. Like a D line with John Henry Daly, uh, Logan Fano and, and uh, I say MOA are, is is kind of nasty like that's you know four three four star guys uh along the d-line for years to come yeah and well, if they can get this kid you know the cornerback from snow college i'm playing Keontae Scott. You beat me to it yeah <laughs> yeah like that yeah, would be Keontae scott's got offers from literally everywhere <laughs> yeah. uh, like you talk about byu not being able to get good wide receiver recruits like when's the last time byu had like a four-star three-star <laughs> defensive back recruit yeah oh, I no, it, 
Keontae Scott could throw a dart like blindfolded at his recruiting list and land on a power five team. That's just how long his list is. It's, it's amazing. No. Um, but I mean, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Like, again, not saying Mo is going to commit, not saying Scott's going to commit, but like there is a legitimate buzz here, um, of, of guys who are legitimately considering BYU that historically haven't. Um, I didn't think like, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I didn't think like BYU to the big 12 would make, like, I knew it would make a difference. I didn't think it would make kind of this much of a difference this fast. Yeah, I mean, um, you have Simi Fajoko, right, who is one of those guys that I talked about, a really good wide receiver recruit that was from the state of Utah that ended up going elsewhere. Like, those are the guys that BYU's missed out on in the past, and now they're getting them with Cody Hagan. He tweeted out a couple hours ago, uh, he said, but I will say BYU will start getting some more in-state talent with how well they've been doing. Put it in the eyeball emoji, of course. You have to put the eyeball emoji in. And he <laughs> said, sure. makes it a little easier choice. Right. Like here's a guy that, you know, if he probably Simi Fahoko, who played at Stanford, now he's in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. Like if he was being recruited by BYU now, like he's even on record saying like it's probably a little bit easier of a choice picking BYU now with what they've got going on down at Provo. And I think part of that, too, is, you know, obviously the Big 12 is exciting. It's Hunter, you mentioned the NIL deals. Yeah. Um, so much credit has to go to Kalani as well, just creating a culture there that people want to be a part of. I mean, you look at the the Nakua brothers and every picture that is being posted of them, they just have these huge smiles on their face. They can't talk enough good about Kalani. And Kalani has really created this family atmosphere that people gravitate towards. And and he's, he's contagious. We've talked about this before. He's a contagious um, personality. And, and I think people want to go to BYU because it's now good football. Um, but I also think that it provides you a place where you can feel good. And I know that sounds weird, but like even at my days running track at BYU, like the talent was always there. But one of the things I enjoyed the most was going to practice and being able to talk to teammates about things that were just really uplifting. And that's not to say that other schools aren't doing that, uh, but you listen to Kalani and he, he puts a lot of um, what he teaches and points it back to, you know, the LDS faith and, and everything and creates a, an atmosphere that's just extremely positive. And I think all around people just want to be a part of that. Yeah. I mean, and, it, you know, you see Kalani after the games, he's dancing, he's celebrating before the games, he's going and getting pumped up with the with the rock students who are waiting in line right out by Cougar Canyon, like just a ton of energy. And it's not even just Kalani. I mean, you made great points. And I think obviously Kalani is the face of the program when it comes, it comes to this kind of stuff. But I mean, like everyone, like Kalani has created this culture where, you know, and brought in people to surround himself that those are guys you want to be around. Right. Kalani, obviously, but Jack DeMooney, like tons of fun, just tons of energy. Like, I, that's my, who, that's my who, uncle. Who that's doesn't want uncle. Jack DeMooney like busting into, you know, your your classroom or your office or whatever and, and and just having a good time, right? Jason Ayu, awesome guy, super super humble, uh just just a stand-up guy in Jason Ayu. And then you talk about, you know, guys like Billy Nixon who who's really cares about the players and cares about their experience at BYU, right? And all the initiatives that they're taking and that Billy Nixon is taking uh to make sure that these student athletes have the best possible experience. Uh, on and off the field at BYU. So really it's, you know, it's Kalani, obviously, like he's the one that's in charge of creating the culture, but he's brought in and surrounded himself with people that make it a whole lot easier 
uh, to say that BYU football has got an awesome culture and they help uplift everyone around them. Amen. Oh, for sure. Like his, his the, especially the recruiting coordinators, like what an awesome job by uh, Jason Ayu and uh, Jack DeMooney yeah. um, that they've, they've done for recruiting, getting BYU in the door for places that they haven't been in a long time. Um, but no, like, and, and then going back to the wide receiver room, like the, the future of the wide receiver room is ridiculously bright. You got, uh, you know, like next year in theory, you could have Puka Nakua, Gunnar Romney, Neil Pau, Chase Roberts, who is a four-star guy uh, from American Fork. Uh, Cody Hagan is a four-star guy coming from Quarter Canyon. Cody Epps, uh, who is a high, you know, high three-star from Modern Day. Um, Chris Jackson. Chris Jackson, who's who's a burner, um, who's shown a lot of flashes. Braden Cosper will be coming back from an injury. Like, Hobbs Nyberg. Hobbs Nyberg. Underrated, <laughs> underrated superstar Hobbs Nyberg. But no, like that's just next year. But like um, – the, the future, they, they just they, they announced today that they, they uh, uh, you know, kid committed last year, but they just announced it today. Uh, Poka Hunga um, is, uh, is a high-rated three-star from, from Tempview, who's a junior who will be coming out of next class, like who's, who's a, you know, fantastic receiver. BYU's got some dudes in that wide receiver room, um, which, you know, all due respect to, to past BYU wide receiver rooms. Like, this is a far cry from the days when, you know, we had Talon Shumway, uh, Aleva Hifo and, and Mike assignment. Like as awesome as those guys were um, like the, the wide receiver talent that, that BYU has right now is, is awesome. And, and that's all credit to Fessy Satake and Aaron Roderick for creating an offense where wide receivers can thrive. Like, you know, what, what Utah has been to linebackers, safeties and running backs in recruiting BYU now is building a brand of becoming that for wide receivers and quarterbacks, which is awesome. Um, which I think, you know, that that's the that's the BYU of old, um, where if BYU can keep building on that momentum and recruiting, especially in the wide receiver room, like these offenses, especially in the Big 12 years, are going to be really, really fun. Yeah, and, and it's not even necessarily that the talent is that much better, right? Because those guys you rattled off, those are pretty good guys. But the thing is, is you rattled off, you know, more than twice as many guys in the BYU wide receiver room now than there were a few years ago. The guys that you could, you felt comfortable with them in the game, right? I mean, we listed off seven names potentially next year that you were comfortable with seeing them on the field and where you were confident in them that they can produce. And that's just, that's never really been the case at BYU before where you had multiple guys, guys one through seven uh, that you felt like would be good football uh, players and good wide receivers at BYU, right? You've always had, you know, maybe one or two guys, right? You've had your Mitch Matthews, you've had your Cody Hoffman's, your Austin Collies, but there's never been this deep uh, of talent in a single position room, especially in a position like wide receiver, where again, uh, I know I'm beating a dead horse when I say this, but BYU struggled to bring in, you know, elite wide receivers. Uh, and, and so there's just never been a, a wide receiver room that's this talented and this deep. It's pretty incredible. For sure. Uh, yeah, bright, bright things are ahead. Uh, it's really fun to have this much buzz around the, the program, not, not just for like a special year that BYU is having right now, but also in recruiting to show that this is something that can, you know, the hype train can keep rolling on in the future. Um, Let's do it. Yeah, fantastic. But uh, it's a game week. We, uh, you know, the, uh, this is our preview show for Utah State, so let's kind of get into to some of that. Um, BYU plays Utah State tomorrow night. Uh, super stoked! Um, it's going to be a sold-out crowd up in Logan of uh, of uh, you know twenty-five thousand people and probably about uh, thirty thousand cows. Uh, 
you know, found in the, found in the Logan area. Should be a lot of fun. Um, but no, uh, just kind of some insights into into Utah State. Uh, they're three and one um, with wins over uh, North Dakota, Air Force, and Washington State in their first game of the year. Last week, uh, they lost twenty six to three to Boise State, where they racked up over a hundred over four hundred and thirty yards of offense, but uh, you know couldn't punch the ball in the end zone for for a lot of reasons. Um, we've all been able to watch a little bit of film, um, on them, but, uh, what, what are you guys seeing, uh, from, from Utah state? Uh, what, what makes them potentially dangerous? What, what do they struggle at? Uh, let's start with you, Trev. Uh, yeah. So right now Utah state is kind of working with two different quarterbacks. They have, uh, Bonner, uh, whose first name escapes me. And then Andrew Logan, Logan Bonner. Thank you. Um, yeah, they, that's. It's like a match Ogden, made in heaven. Ogden Bonner. <laughs> Ogden Bonner. Um, but from what I've seen, uh, Logan appears to have the stronger arm. Um, he is less mobile. Uh, I think he's ran the ball like 20 times for like 26 yards. So he, he doesn't get, move much on the ground. Uh, Andrew Peasley, on the other hand, is a little bit more mobile. Uh, he's certainly not the light speed quarterback that we saw with uh, Timmy McLean uh, last week. Um but he can get the job done if he needs to. It kind of reminds me a little bit of a Baylor Romney that way. Um, but he doesn't come across as quite as accurate. Um, and I don't think he has quite as strong of an arm. Um, both the, the Utah State team, though, it, it really kind of falls on their shoulders because they like to sling the ball. Uh, they love to expose the middle of the field. I was watching the Boise State film. Uh, a lot of their passes it's it's a lot of four verticals it's a lot of uh vertical pass plays down the middle uh once they've taken away the the safeties uh this offense moves the ball really well uh against who they've played uh i don't know to be determined i guess you know what that truly means um but they they are moving the ball they've they've got i believe a top 10 offense in college football right now so uh they can they can put up a lot of a lot of yards in a hurry if they need. Yeah, that's the biggest thing I think, you know, when talking about this Utah State team is their big play capability, right? Like they've got some dudes on the outside, like they've got athletes and good players. It's just about whether they can put it together on the field, um, right? And obviously with a new head coach, still kind of that learning curve. But they, they have the potential to, to rattle off a few big plays. We saw it especially kind of in that second half of the North Dakota game. Uh, they put up 45 points, I believe, of offense against Air Force, right? A team that really controls the ball. So the fact that you had that many possessions and you were scoring that high against an option team, uh, it speaks volume about your offense, right? Like they can they can go off uh, if if they if they need to and if they have that opportunity. It's just about limiting those opportunities, limiting the big plays for the BYU defense, a defense that really struggled to get off the field a week ago. So. Uh, you know, you probably don't want to give up too many third down, fourth down conversions to Utah State because, you know, they have the potential to make you pay. But on the other side, the one good team that we've seen Utah State play, they've struggled to put it in the end zone, right? Like you talk about the yards, I think 483 total yards it was for Utah State's offense. Like they've had the yards. It was struggling in the red zone. It was missing field goals. Like they just couldn't get points on the board uh, against the, really the one good team that they've played to this point in the season. So I, I don't know, right? Like on one hand, 
they have those big play capabilities. On the other hand, they struggle once they get into the red zone and they struggle once, you know, once the heat is on. So just, you know, if this BYU defense can bounce back, they're getting guys back from injury. Guys should be able to play that were out uh, against USF, hopefully. And I think if BYU can just limit those big plays, don't give up chunk yardage, you get off the field on third down, they can do that. I mean, this BYU or this Utah State defense, uh, I think, what are they, 121st in total defense in the country? They're bot, they're sub. Not good, Bob. Not yeah, good. <laughs> they are sub like 120 uh, in total defense. So this BYU offense should be able to put up points uh, like they did a week ago against USF. It's just the question is, is can this BYU defense limit Utah State, get off the field on third down, limit chunk yardage plays? I think if BYU can do those two things, they should be sitting pretty. Yeah, I I uh, kind of an interesting stat. I was I was looking at that Boise State game because you, you don't want to say, oh, Utah State struggles in the red zone based off of one game when they played four, right? But yeah. decided to do a little bit of digging. Uh, they are 97th in the country right now in red zone efficiency. Uh, they're tied with a couple of other teams. Uh, BYU right now notably is 26th, uh, although there's I think 21 teams tied for first right now with 100%. So so BYU's right up there. They're, they get so in. So BYU's like, really like fifth. Yeah, right. Uh, and uh, they're sitting at like 93%, uh, and Utah State's down to like 72%. Um, yeah. And so red zone scoring has been a struggle, um, and I think it it plays perfectly into what we've talked about this before, what Tuyaki tries to do. You're going to get yards, but as soon as that field shrinks, it becomes a lot harder to score. And it really becomes like, are, are you willing to trade field goals for touchdowns? And, and I think uh, we're really good to see, in my opinion, Tuyaki's defense shine as long as they are, as Hunter mentioned, able to get Utah State off the field on third down. Yeah, for I mean, sure. hope, you, you hope they show up for an in-state non-conference game. Right. Like, you hope the BYU defense can get up despite this being a whatever game. Yeah. Not a rivalry uh, game. Yeah, for sure. We're <laughs> not a rivalry. Uh, no, I, this, not, it's this, not like it's a rivalry game or anything. Utah State is kind of like, it's like watching the college football gods flip a coin. Um, it is, it's, they're so exciting uh, because they're so chaotic. I, it's it's hard to know what what to make of like Hunter you were you were saying how uh, like how many possessions Utah State got against an Air Force uh, you know team that yeah. usually likes to control the ball the reason they were able to is because they could not stop Air Force uh, Air Force in that game had 619 yards of offense and the only reason that Utah State was able to pull it out is because they had 628 yards of offense like Jeez. This, Let this, eat <laughs> like this like Utah State's defense. Um, like they're not like the, the interesting thing about Utah state is that pretty much all of their production comes down to like three players, um, on defense, Justin Rice is, is kind of their linebacker. He leads the team in tackles, forced fumbles and picks. Um, and you know, the, he, he leads the team in tackles with 40, but the second closest guy has 22. Um, like it's, it's like one guy who just kind of dominates all over the field. Um, on offense, you have uh, two players that make up 50% of the offense um, and, and Devin Tompkins um, and I think it's Carter Tyler. Uh, forgive, forgive me if I'm, if I'm butchering the name, but they're, they're running back. Um, you know, solid dude has over 400 yards of, you know, 400 yards of rushing. Devin Tompkins has 520 uh, yards receiving. 
Um, like these dudes are like, it, it's, it's odd because it all just kind of comes down to, to two guys. Um, but as, as far as us uh, USU on offense, they look like the best team in the country between the twenties. Like no one pick us, no one picks up more yards between the twenties than them. And then once you get in the red zone, they look worse than 2019 BYU. I, I don't, I don't quite understand it. That game last week against Boise state was just bizarre to go over 430 yards of offense and only pick up three points. Like that's the kind of things you expect BYU to do against San Diego state yeah. uh, <laughs> in, in 2018. But I, a lot of that came down to like ridiculous mistakes that Utah state was making against Boise state. Like they had uh, a couple times where like the punter, like weird, weird special teams where like the punter pulled, like, I mean, it's not a Johnny Linehan because I was gonna say, trigger was, warning for Johnny. That, Linehan, that, that, that was, that was a cold punt. This is the third time we've gotten Johnny Linehan in on the podcast. Take that Johnny. Um, <laughs> but like the punter making a weird decision to just take off twice. Um, and and uh, who, what kind of punter would do that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Who who would you know, who would think <laughs> most of the Johnny Linehan school of against punting. Boise State of all teams? You know, I know. Um, but like they missed. You know, Utah State missed two field goals, um, and I think one was blocked. Like you know, mistakes like that that I don't know if you can expect to Utah State to make those two weeks in a row. Um, but a lot of the problems that Utah State runs into in the end zone or in the red zone is that their offense, like Trevor said, is based off of over-the-middle vertical routes that are that are wide open uh, for, the, for the most part throughout the, you know, throughout the field. Like, those things will be open most of the time, but in the red zone, those windows shrink. Um, and, you know, those that the, the seven DBs that now have to cover, you know, 60 yards of field now only have to cover 10. Um, and so those windows get a lot tighter. And quite honestly, I don't think I trust Logan Bonner or Andrew Peasley to fit the ball in tight windows. Like the red zone offense struggles because they keep trying to throw goal line fades that never work out. Um, never. Because I, I don't, I just, I don't think they have quarterbacks, like neither quarterback, you know, in my opinion is good enough to fit the ball into those tight windows that are required. Um, yeah. So, so weird, kind of weird offense for, for Utah state. Uh, like I said, a lot of shades of 2019 BYU where, they were they're you know they're they're good enough to pick up a lot of yards, but you know just can't quite punch it in the end zone. Yeah, I mean we've seen the arm strength from Ogden Bonner before. Like he's he can get the ball to those wide receivers, but like you said, when the window when the windows shrink, Ogden just can't fit it into those tight windows, uh, which is just something you know that's that comes from you know coaching and development. Right, this is his first year starting for Utah State, new coach, uh, all those different things that you know maybe we'll see once Ogden Bonner gets a little more playing time and a little more reps under his belt, then, you know, we can see him progress. But for now, it, like I said, it just comes down to the BYU secondary, keeping things in front of him, right? Not letting guys get behind him because, you know, give up 20 yard pass, like not great. Like you don't, that's not ideal, but like you'll live with it as long as you can limit those big plays and not let Utah state reach the end zone, let them settle for field goals. Like you said, Joe trade field goals for touchdowns because you know, this BYU offense is going to eat, uh, they showed their potential a week ago against USF, their big play capabilities, right? Uh, and, and the wealth of weapons that they have. It's just about not letting Utah State throw any counter punches, right? Like, For sure. Lim limit, their, limit their big plays, let them kick field goals, right? Kind of that same approach that BYU took against Arizona, right? They, they, Arizona continuously got down into BYU territory and time after time after time had to settle for field goals. 
missed a few, made a couple, and, and BYU ends up coming out with a victory, right? Like, that's kind of how I see this game going, where Utah State probably, you know, BYU fans aren't going to be happy because Utah State's probably going to be able to drive down, get into BYU territory, and the drive's eventually going to stall. They're going to kick a field goal. But the good news is that on the other side of the ball, BYU is going to be putting up seven. For sure. And I think I think the better news for BYU is that um, Utah State's going to do it quickly. I think a lot of the problems that BYU ran into against USF is the long sustained drives. But I don't like Utah's Utah State's offense just isn't built for that. Um, it, it isn't built for, um, you know, you know, dink and dunk passes kind of down the field. It's, it's built for Devin Tompkins getting open in zone. Um, yeah, I mean, Boise State had like a 10 minute time of possession advantage. Yeah, no, last game. Yeah, it's gonna be who can who can get the ball away from their offense faster between BYU (laughs) and Utah State. For sure, like I, but the you know the question is is what kind of defensive scheme is is Tuyaki gonna run out? I think if it's if this this game this game kind of reminds me a lot of Arizona, um, where like I think Andrew Peasley we're probably gonna see more of him than we think. Um, cause you know, BYU shown that sometimes they can struggle with more athletic quarterback, but like, like Andrew Peasley kind of reminds me more of Gunnar Cruz from Arizona than he did, than, than he does like Timmy McLean from USF. Like he's, he's athletic enough to extend plays, but he's not going to torch you, uh, yeah. you know, for, for, for a bunch of yards and his, 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 his arm quite frankly is limited. Um, I I don't expect him to just kind of be tossing the ball over the field. He's Patrick Mahomes athletic, not Lamar Jackson athletic. Right. But like, I think Boise state kind of made some questionable decisions where like I'd see them bring like six or seven and then they would drop like five into zone coverage, which is just kind of a bizarre decision to make when you have, when you have Utah state who likes to spread the ball for wide receivers. Um, like there's gonna like yeah the, the middle of, of the field is gonna be open in that case if you're blitzing your linebackers and you're dropping your corners and your safeties um, into kind of like a four man zone like that that's a recipe for disaster if you want the you know the guard in the middle of the field so it kind of depends on what what BYU is gonna do if it's a drop eight scheme like or a drop seven scheme kind of like we saw last week then Utah State's gonna gain a lot of yards like this is gonna be a game where Utah State's probably gonna put up over 400 yards but like Trevor said they're not probably not going to be able to punch the ball in the end zone because I like BYU secondary, especially with Isaiah Heron coming back. Um, I, I like that. More. Is Alton Isimahe back? Yeah. So, yeah. so a couple of person, couple of personnel things. And so is uh, D'Lo. Yeah. D'Lo is going to be back. Isaiah Heron's going to be back. Nice is going to be back. And Tyler Batty's going to be back, which is huge. Cause if you can yeah. pressure Utah state, you're going to pressure them into making bad throws. A lot of the bad decisions that, or a lot of the mistakes that Bonner and Peasley make is because they get pressured and then they overthrow, you know, wider open receivers that ends up in, in tip balls and interceptions. That, that's BYU's a lot definitely of running a drop eight with those guys back. Like, yeah, 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 no, more I, and, than likely. <laughs> yeah, like don't Utah, be surprised. Utah State's offensive line is porous. Like I still think that BYU will be able to get pressure with, you know, that collection of Uriah Lauatea or Leotala, sorry. Um, with Tyler Batty, Nasamahe, and uh, Zoe, uh, Lorenzo Fautea. Like, BYU is going to be able to get some push with those four. But I wouldn't, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see BYU be a little more aggressive with their linebackers. Um, you know, try and get Peasley to, to try and get Peasley or Ogden to, to be a little bit more rattled um, early on and force them to make, make bad mistakes. Because I think if you can get pressure on these guys, they're, they're not 
they're not going to like step into the pocket and hit a wide open receiver. I think they're going to make a lot of, you know, bad throws. It's going to look, I I think it'll look a lot like uh, Charlie Brewer uh, and Utah, especially at the beginning of the game um, where they, I think they tried to run a screen pass and, and Charlie Brewer just had no time and put it right over his receiver's head and right into Chaz Ayu's arms. Um, and that's, for sure. that's something that I, I think uh, Tuiaki knows. I think at this point, uh, we can trust him to be able to know what needs to be done against Utah State. Uh, he has four games of film to watch, um, and I think he's going to do an excellent job with that. One thing I would love to see, I don't think, like you guys said, I think BYU should be able to move the ball on offense. I think one of the things that we can start doing that we haven't seen the last couple of games is utilizing the jet sweep. Uh, we send a lot of wide receivers in motion. Uh, not a lot of them have gotten the ball yet. I think Samson's been able to run the ball a couple times, uh, but Boise State used that to their advantage against Utah State. Uh, not a ton of speed, based off of what I saw, not a ton of outside speed uh, to cover uh, out-of-bounds line to out-of-bounds line. And so being able to just get our guys out in space and be able to make people miss. Because uh, like Joe said, Justin Rice makes all these plays, uh, but if you can find a way to neutralize him and make all – everybody else make a play. I think you're going to find a lot of success. Do we see a trick play? Is this probably. I think we see. Yeah. Yeah. We'll probably see one. And, and I think it'll like, honestly, I think it'll work. Like uh, this, this, this defense is kind of like Utah state's defense is kind of similar to uh, South Florida where they bite really heavy on play action. So I, I think the wide receivers are probably going to have another big game um, from what, from what we're hearing. Um, to be honest, I have no idea who's, who's going to start. I'm kind of hearing mixed things from, from a lot of different places. And, um, I, from, from what I understand, Jaron Hall did practice this week. Um, but he's, he's still limited. So I, I, like, I think he's available to play, but I think they still probably go with Baylor Romney is my guess. But like, again, if Baylor Romney's back there, I trust him to throw to open receivers. And I think there will be a lot of, of, of open receivers, um, they, they don't like Utah state doesn't love to, to bring pressure, uh, through five games or through four games, they only have six sacks. Um, so they don't get to the quarterback that well, but the interesting thing about this defense is like five of the top 10 tacklers on the team are all in the defensive backfield, which means one thing you can complete a lot of passes on this team. And there's like the running backs will always get to the second level. Uh, so, you know, second and third levels. Like if, if, you know, your leading tacklers are all safeties, that's a problem. Um, where, you know, Utah State's linebackers are, 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 you know, pretty good. They they rally to the ball. They get there. Justin Wright's, like I said, is a stud. But like this defensive line, like this defensive line, they only have one dude with more than 10 tackles on the defensive line. Um, and, a, and a lot of that says that this defensive line doesn't get a lot of push. They don't get to the quarterback very well. And they don't stop running backs for short gains. Um so I, I'm, I'm intrigued uh, to see what this BYU offense can do. I think it's going to look a lot more similar to last week than, um, than what we saw, you know, the, the three weeks prior. I think BYU is probably going to get whatever they want on offense. Um, but we'll, we'll just uh, – we'll, we'll have to see what, what Utah State's defense brings. But I, I don't think they're going to have a lot of uh, – you know, give a lot of opposition to, to what BYU has to offer on offense. Yeah, for reference, um, you were talking about the the DBs making tackles. Our our top five leading tacklers are all linebackers, and then it goes D'Angelo Mandel, and then you have to go down another like six people until you get to Malik Moore. So this is a team that does give up a lot of yards and keeps their defensive backs um, 
busy. So I'm hoping that Roderick can uh, get our receivers just running around the field um, open, frankly. For sure. Yeah, so that's uh, kind of our pregame analysis. Time for uh, time for some hot takes um, of, uh, of what we think are going to happen. Uh, Trevor, let's start with you. Okay, so we've obviously talked about um, open lanes for the offense. Um, I'm going to take Baylor Romney throwing four touchdowns in this game. Uh, I think Tyler Algier and Lopini both are going to be uh, successful on the ground. Um, and I think it's going to lead to Utah State having to commit pretty hard to that. And that's going to lead to um, plenty of open passing lanes for Baylor. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say that I think two of those will be to, to his brother. Four touchdown passes, two to Gunner. Woo. Love it. All right. Let's hear you. Let's hear yours, Hunter. Well, that means the other two are going to this guy that I'm taking to finally, this is going to be the game. The Puka Nakua game. We've been waiting for him to get in the end zone. I think this is the time that he does it. And I don't think he does it once, but I think he does it twice. I think two touchdowns uh, for Puka Nakua against this Utah State defense. I was going to say Isaac Rex. I think this was, I had a gut feeling that this may be the Isaac Rex game. So put that down as my hot take B, as my backup hot take. Um, But I I just feel like with the way that this Utah State defense is, I think they're going to kind of key in. On Tyler Algier, you talk about the the yardage that they gave up against uh, Air Force and, you know, this porous kind of defensive line and the running backs being able to get to the second and third level frequently. I think Utah State's going to probably key in on Tyler Algier, and I think that's going to open up uh, those passing lanes. Uh, Trevor says two to Gunnar Romney, not a bad bet, you know, with that brother-to-brother connection. We saw it in action this last week against USF. But I think this is the game. I think this is the game. Uh, that we get two, not one, but two touchdowns uh, from Puka Nakua. Love it. Love it. Uh, I'm actually going to go to the other side of the ball. Uh, My hot take, I think BYU is going to get enough pressure to rattle, uh, you know, whatever quarterback Utah State throws back there. I think BYU is going to get enough pressure to hold Utah State under 400 yards of offense. That's a crazy hot take given how uh, explosive this Utah State offense has been. But um, I think... You know, th- this this is a game that BYU really does get up for. Um, they Yes, they, they run that bend-don't-break style, but I think that the reason they're going to hold Utah State under 400 yards is because they're going to be able to force turnovers. I think they're going to get enough pressure to force bad throws from Utah State's quarterback, uh, leading to at least two interceptions um, is, is my hot take. Um, but, no, I, I think we're going to see a, a great uh, – uh, I think we're going to see a great outing from the defense that uh, we haven't uh, – that that's more reminiscent of the first three weeks than, than last week. Can I piggyback uh, on that? Yeah, please. BYU defensive touchdown. Woo, Mark yeah, it. no, I, I love that. Mark it. Fumble recovery for a touchdown or a pick six. BYU defensive touchdown. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's go score predictions. Trevor, what you got for us? Uh, so I'm going to go 35 to 24. Um, I think Utah State – uh, does get into the end zone a couple times. Um, but I feel like one of those is going to be late. Uh, I can see it being like 1735 with like two minutes left in Utah state, uh, punches one in, uh, to make it look closer than it is. But yeah, I'm going to say 35, 24, 38 to 20. I'm going to go 38, 17. Uh, so Hunter, I, guess Hunter you, I, I, I have a making goals. two field goals. You have a missing the field goal and making one for sure. Uh, okay. Closing question. And probably the most important 
Is this a rivalry, Trevor? Yes, uh, it is a rivalry. Um, does it match the levels of Utah and Boise State? Uh, no. Uh, for it to match those, it would need to be more competitive than it is. Uh, but it's certainly, there's plenty of smack talk uh, to go around, and it that in itself makes it a rivalry, in my opinion. It's a rivalry in the sense that you playing like pickup basketball against your little brother in the driveway is a rivalry, right? <laughs> like, obviously, there's like some sort of animosity element to it, right? Like, you're gonna you're gonna care about the game. There's that rivalry feel to it, but ultimately, you're not gonna be as emotionally involved as you are if you're playing than if you're playing pickup basketball in the driveway with your friends and your buddies, right? And like the people that you hang out with. And BYU and Utah are those are those guys that hang out. BYU and Utah State is like the 12 year old brother that comes out. Uh, and, and you play you play horse with in the driveway really all you care about is not losing to them right like a win does really nothing like you expect to win like it's fun obviously when you win uh, but you kind of come away come into that game expecting to win it, you're more concerned with just not losing and that's what BYU does versus Utah State you just don't want to be the team that loses to Utah State whether you win or not like obviously you care about winning but it's not gonna you're not gonna be you know over the moon if you beat Utah state, but losing to Utah state will send you down a dark road. For sure. Uh, my answer is no unequivocally. It is not a rivalry. And here's Whoa. why I have, I have a favorite. I, yeah, this is my real hot take. I have a favorite quote from Mike Greenberg of ESPN. Um, he says it in reference to the Ohio state Michigan rivalry. And I think it applies here that a hammer and a nail have a relationship, not a rivalry. This is a relationship. And here's why. Uh, it takes it takes history of competitiveness. Like the definition of a rivalry is competing for superiority, and Utah State has never competed for superiority of anything since 1980. BYU has more 10 win seasons, 16 than Utah State has six win seasons, 12. Since 1975, BYU has more 21 point wins over Utah State, 22 than Utah State has outright wins. Uh, since, like in in the program's history. BYU has been ranked 260 weeks to Utah State's 12. BYU has 14 consensus All-Americans to Utah State's three. If BYU stayed independent and Utah won their conference every single year, it would take 13 years for Utah State to have as many conference championships as BYU since 1980. But what about the last 10 years? We, like Utah State has been, you know, they've yeah, they're the, the claim best, like six and four or whatever. Six and four. <laughs> Four and six. The the best track right, right, right. Utah State can come up with is that they lose less to BYU than they used to. Um, but ten years doesn't make a rivalry. Um, but even if it did, it's still not because in the last ten, 10 games, BYU has many seventeen point wins against Utah State, as Utah State has wins. Um, this has arguably been BYU's like the last decade has arguably been BYU's worst since the '60s, and this is Utah State's best ever in their program history. And they've still only won four games of the last ten. Um, this like the only thing that Utah State has more of than BYU is cows per capita. Uh, so as I said before, Utah State is a game that's just simply embarrassing to lose. There is no benefit to beating Utah State. It's just simply a game that you just hate to lose, which BYU can do, but that doesn't necessarily make it a rivalry. As I have said before, like history, it's not personal Utah State. If any Utah State fans are listening to this, it's not personal. It's just facts. 
This is a relationship, not a rivalry, and it's not particularly close. Also, BYU Creamery is better than Aggie ice cream. Facts. Like, that's a rivalry. <laughs> yeah, hey, I'll give you that. That's the biggest, that is the, the closest, that's the most competitive rivalry. aspect of this, of this rivalry, is which team has better ice cream. <laughs> Absolutely. We don't even have dairy farms in Provo, and our ice cream's still better. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Grand Canyon for the win. Uh, but no, with that, uh, Thank you guys for so much for joining us here on the on the BYU Hype Train. Uh, please remember to, to rate us and give us a review. Um, you know, hit 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 the subscribe button. It helps us uh, helps us with the algorithms and and you know help us uh, grow this community a little more. Um, thank you to to Trevor Levitt and uh, Hunter Miller for for all that you guys do. Um, and shout good out luck to Jason. To yeah, shout out to Jason. Uh, wasn't here tonight. We miss you, Jason. Uh, pray that uh, you'll you'll feel better next time to be able to join us. But uh, no, go Cougs. Uh, stoked, to, stoked to watch the game tomorrow night. BYU takes on Utah State 7 p.m. on CBS College Sports. Um, with, uh, but with that, go Cougs, BYU by 100. Uh, choo-choo, roll on the BYU hype train. We'll talk to you guys on Sunday after the win.